0: The focus of this peric and the next peric as well is when somebody hires workers to do something and the obligations which they have towards each other. Asurges says is the missioner, one who rents a cow, in order to plow on a mountain. That was the agreement between them that he would use it to plow in a mountain. But then he took it and he used the cow in order to plow in a valley. And we're discussing somebody who rented not only the cow, but also all of the tools which are used for plowing together with the cow. And the Mishnah says that if the kankan, which is part of the plow, which would actually do the digging in the ground, as the cow would walk, this tool would be digging in the ground. And if it broke, then potter, the renter, is exempt from paying for the tool which he broke, because if he would have done it in the mountain, it's even more likely to break. The ground there is usually harder. So it's not because he went against the agreement that the item broke, and therefore would be exempt. On the other hand, if the agreement was that he would use it to plow in the valley, but then he went and plowed in the mountain, if this tool which is used for the digging part of the plowing, if that breaks, then he is liable to pay for it because it's much easier to break it on the mountain and he didn't have permission to plough on the mountain. On a similar note, the mission tells us, Lodus Bakitnis, if the agreement was that he would use the cow for threshing beans. That would mean that he would use the cow to tread on the beans that was part of the processing of the beans. But instead of doing that, he used the cow to tread on the regular produce, the grain, and as the cow was doing it, the cow slipped and either died or got injured. Says Mr. Potter, he is exempt because that was even more likely to happen had he used the cow to tread on the beans. However, l'odosh If the agreement between them was that he would use the cow in order to tread on the regular grain, but he used the cow to tread on the beans, Chayev, the renter who did this, would be liable to pay for the cow for the injury, whatever it may be, because the beans are more slippery, and that is we view it as that is what caused the animal to be injured. Mishnah, one who rents a donkey to bring on the donkey wheat. They agreed that he is able to use that donkey to carry a certain weight of wheat. But instead, the renter went against the agreement and he brought the same amount, the same weight of barley. Now, uh, barley is more light than wheat, which means that if he is bringing the same weight of barley as the weight of wheat, there's going to be a lot more barley than the same weight when it comes to wheat. So even though it's not because there was more weight that the donkey might have got injured or fallen under the burden of carrying this, however, the fact that there is much more and it's much larger, that does affect the donkey. And it does make it harder to carry, and therefore we do view it as the fact that he went against the agreement. That is what caused the donkey to be injured. So Chayev, the renter, would be liable. Tavua, if the agreement was that he would use the donkey to carry grain, and instead he bought on that donkey straw, Again, straw is lighter, and therefore, if he's bringing the same weight of straw, not the same amount, the same weight of straw, then there's going to be a lot more of the straw, which is harder to carry. And therefore, Chayev, the renter, would be liable to pay for any injury caused to the donkey. Because the quantity and the volume of the produce, whatever it may be, makes it harder to carry. So if we continue with this point, Lehove If the agreement was that he was able to use a donkey to carry a lesser of wheat. A lesser is a volume measurement. It's half a kar, which is equivalent to 15 saar. But yeah, so maybe that was the agreement. What did, he, what did the person do? And he bought to use the donkey to carry a lesser of barley. So the same volume of barley, which means it's actually lighter than what he was able to use the donkey to carry. And it's not a larger amount, and therefore certainly he will be exempt, because he didn't do anything which would cause the donkey to be injured or make it harder to carry in any way. However, if he added on to the volume which the donkey would be carrying, such that the donkey was carrying more than a lesser of barley... Even if it's still lighter than a lesseh of chitim, of wheat, since at the end of the day the volume is larger, that already makes it harder in some way to carry that rather than the wheat. And therefore, Chayev, he would be liable. Asks the Mishnah, how much does he need to add onto the lesseh in order to be liable? If he added a tiny, tiny amount of barley, would that make him liable for any injury which happens to the donkey? the in the name in the name of The amount is a sa'ah for a camel. If he was renting a camel, so a lesser we said was half a car, which is the same as fifteen sa'ah. So if he adds on one fifteenth, which would be one sa'ah, then that would already make it significantly harder to carry, such that he would be liable for any injury which occurs. And it would be three calves if it is a donkey. Three three calves is equivalent to half a sa'ah, which is a thirtieth of the lesseh. That is considered to be already a significant amount, such that we do look at it as harder to carry, and therefore the renter would be liable to compensate if any injury occurs. We discussed in detail certain laws about shoimrim, about somebody who was guarding somebody else's item in the third peric of this Msechda, and this will be relevant to this Mishda. All skilled workers who have been given an item to work on and to improve or change in any way... They have the status of a Shomer Socher. A Shomer Socher is somebody who has somebody else's item in his domain. He's looking after the other person's item, and he is gaining from doing so. He's gaining in some way from the fact that he's looking after the other person's item. So the Mishnah is telling us that somebody, for example, let's say he's a dyer... So he receives somebody else's wool, which belongs to somebody else. But as long as he's working on the wool to dye it, he's looking after the other person's items. He's considered to be a Shomer. The reason why he's a Shomer sochar is either just because of the fact that he's being paid to do this work, but it could be that that's not enough. Because even if he was doing the work, let's say, in the owner's house, he would also be, be being paid for it. And that means that the wage which he is getting for the dyeing, for the work which he is doing, does not reflect the fact that he's looking after the item as well. And therefore we need to look for a different gain which he is getting for the fact that he actually has the item in his possession, in his workplace. And that benefit would be that if the, per- the owner of the wool doesn't end up paying him, he doesn't come up with the money, then this dyer or whatever worker he is can tell him, I'm going to keep this item unless you pay me. It's sort of like a deposit which will guarantee him payment. And that is the gain which he is getting and therefore he's considered to be a shomessahar. And as we learned in the third Perek, a Shomai Sochar would have different laws to a shemachinom, somebody who is guarding it without any gain. Because he is gaining, he is more liable. If the item will be stolen, for example, then it's the worker who will be liable to compensate the owner. And the Mishnah adds, Any of these workers who are considered to be a Shomai Sochar, if they say to the owner of the item, Take your item, for example, the dyer says, take your wool, once he's completed the job, and bring money. So even before the person has taken his wool, the work has clearly shown that he's not planning on using this item as a way of guaranteeing that he'll be paid. And therefore he does not have that benefit, so he goes back to being a regular chinam, says the Mishnah. He is somebody who is looking after someone else's item for free without any gain. And therefore he would have all of the laws of a chinam. for example, if it is stolen, he would not be liable to compensate the owner. Alright, next case, if somebody says to someone else, Li... Guard my item for me, and in return, another time when you need your item to be guarded, I'll guard it for you. Shemesachar, he would be considered a shemesachar, the first person who is guarding it now, because he is gaining something in return for him doing this. Now it should be noted that if he says to him, guard my item for me now during this week, and I will guard your item during this week, At the same time, in that case, they wouldn't be considered to be a Shomer Sokhar, and in fact he would be exempt if the item is stolen or lost if something happens to it. Because there is a special unique exemption which the Torah says that if the owner of an item which a Shomer is guarding, if the owner is working for the Shomer at the same time that the Shomer is looking after the item, or when he appoints him to look after the item... If the owner is in some way doing something, working for the Shomer, then the Shomer will be exempt for paying for the item if something happens to it. If, for example, it's stolen. So in this case, if they're guarding it for each other at the same time, it's as if each one is doing something for the other person, and therefore this exemption would apply. So our mission is talking specifically about a case where they won't guard it at the same time, but he says, guard it for me now, and in return, another time, I'll do it for you. So he would be considered a Shomer Sahar, because he is gaining he is getting something in return for guarding it. Right, and final case of the Mishnah, if somebody tells someone else, Shemurli, guard this item for me, v'om and the other person says, place it in front of me. shemechinom, he becomes a shemechinom, a god who is not gaining anything. He didn't say he would pay him or anything. And the Mishnah is trying to tell us that even though he didn't explicitly say that he accepts upon himself the job, it's clear from the context that he's accepting upon himself to guard it. He says, place it in front of me. In addition, in order to become a schoimer, one needs to do a similar act to what is necessary when one acquires something. Just like if you acquire an item, you buy an item, in order to transfer the ownership to you, you need to lift it up. So in the same way, if somebody becomes a schoimer, he also needs to do something like that, like lifting it up. Now we learnt in the beginning of the Mesechta that one way of acquiring something is if it is placed within four amus of that person. And he has the intention to acquire it. So this is also the mechanism which is being used in our case over here, that the owner of the item is placing it within four amos of the Shoymer, and that, and he says, place it in front of me, and together that is considered to be an acceptance of Shemira, of looking after the other person's item. Which is the list from the previous Mishnah continues, and the Mishnah says, if somebody, let's say, Ruvain lent Shimon money, and he took from Shimon a deposit an item which Shimon owns, in order that he can guarantee that Shimon will end up paying him. This is a mashka in a deposit, such that if Shimon won't end up paying him, Ruvain can keep that item. Be yeah, as it may, until Shimon gives back the loan, Ruvain is looking after Shimon's item, so he has the status of a shomer. The question is, what type of shoimer? Says the mission Shomer Sochar it is considered to be a Shomer Sochar. What gain does he have? So the Gemara explains that lending money is a mitzvah. Of course, you're helping out the poor person who is in need of money. And there is a rule that ha'isigba mitzvah potamana mitzvah. One who is involved in one mitzvah is exempt from performing a different mitzvah, which comes his way whilst he is performing the first mitzvah. Now, because he took this mashka in this deposit at the time that he was fulfilling a mitzvah of lending money, so if a different mitzvah would have come his way at that point, For example, a mitzvah which would cause him a loss, such as tzedakah. If a different poor person comes and asks him for tzedakah, he would be exempt from giving that person the charity, the tzedakah, because he's involved in a different mitzvah of lending this person money. Which means that at the time that he received this deposit, he was gaining in that because he was lending money, he would be exempt from giving tzedakah to somebody else, which is a monetary gain. He wouldn't lose any money by giving the charity. Therefore, he has the status of a e sachar for as long as he has that mashgain. Since at the beginning, when he received that mashgain, that deposit, there was a monetary gain involved. Now, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says that that itself is not considered to be a benefit which would turn him into a e sachar And therefore, according to Rabbi Huda, he'll mo'is. If Ruvein lent Shimon money and he took this deposit in return for as long as Shimon hadn't yet repaid the loan, then Shomer Chinam, he's got the status of a Shomer Chinam, he's not gaining any real benefit. Only in a specific different case where Hilvahu Peirais, if Ruin was lending Shimon produce or fruit, then Shomer Sakhar, Then is considered to be a Shomer Sakhar because fruit can rot after a certain amount of time. And therefore by giving away this fruit, he's actually gaining because Shimon would be obligated to replace the fruit later on with fresh fruit. And this is considered to be a gain which Ruvain, the lender is getting. And therefore, this deposit gives him the status of a Shomer Sochar. And the Mishnah ends off. Abashol says, Muto mas- k- mas- shal oni. A person is permitted to rent out the deposit which he took from a poor person. If Shimon was poor and Ruvain lent him money and took a deposit from him, he is allowed to rent that out for the time that he has it. In order, ...in order to reduce from, to continuously reduce from the amount that Shimon, the poor person, will need to return to him... ...because all of the proceeds, all of the gain which Ruven will get from renting this item out... ...he'll minus off the amount that the borrower needs to pay him back. And even though in general one is not allowed to use somebody else's item which he is only guarding... ...here it's permitted because it's like returning a lost item to its owner. This is for the benefit of the poor person... This is how he's sort of returning the deposit, by returning it together with lots of money which he has gained from that deposit, from renting it out. And this is permitted, but it should be noted that this is only permitted if Shimon is a poor person. Otherwise, it's better that you don't rent it out. If you're only a guard, then you need to guard it and look after it, but not anything else.